Hi, this is David. Welcome to episode 42 of Upward Journey Bible Study, where we study the Bible and theology. This episode focuses on learning some of the content and message of the Gospel of John, chapter 20, in which God raises Jesus from the dead. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations for this episode are taken from the World English Bible Orthodox Version because the World English Bible is in the public domain. To get the most of this podcast, it would be good for you to take about five minutes to read John chapter 20. Let's get started. Jesus repeatedly emphasized in his ministry, as recorded in the Gospel of John, that he was sent from God the Father and that he came to do the Father's will. Jesus came not to do his own will, but the will of the Father that sent him. Jesus, throughout his ministry, was careful to always do things in God's timing. Right at God's timing, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus was obedient to God the Father. He completed his ministry, speaking the words that God the Father gave him to say, and working the miracles that God called him to do. Jesus obeyed God by dying on the cross. Jesus was buried in a tomb, and now, on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead, just as Jesus promised. In John chapter 20, verses 1 to 2, we read that Mary Magdalene finds and reports Jesus' tomb is empty. Now on the third day, Mary Magdalene went early to visit Jesus' tomb. She went so early that the sun had not yet risen. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early on Sunday morning. It was the first day of the week, and at sunset, it would be the second day of the week. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and first noticed that the stone was taken away from the tomb. Then she, and evidently others, found out the tomb was empty, and they did not know where they had laid Jesus. We find in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, that it was both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary that came to see the tomb. John's Gospel only mentions Mary Magdalene. This other Mary may have been Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Uh, Matthew, see Matthew chapter 27, verses 56 and 61. Mary Magdalene then ran to tell Simon Peter and John that the tomb was empty and we do not know where they have laid him. Of course, as we know, they didn't lay him anywhere. Jesus had risen from the dead. She appears to believe Jesus is still dead, and someone or a group of others um, had took Jesus' body elsewhere. In John chapter 20, verses 3 to 10, Peter and John inspect Jesus' empty tomb. In John chapter 20, verses 3 to 10, Peter and John verify that Jesus' tomb is empty. At this time, they did not know the scripture that Jesus must be raised from the dead. Peter and John both ran to the tomb to investigate. John ran faster than Peter and got to the tomb first. John stooped to look in and saw the grave clothes, but he did not enter. Simon Peter then entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head was rolled up in a place by itself. Then John went in and saw this, and he believed. We are not told what he believed. It is possible that John believed that God had raised Jesus from the dead, even though at this point he didn't know 
of a scripture passage that backed that up. We are not told exactly what uh, John believed at this point. Peter and John then went back home, but uh, Mary stayed behind at the tomb. John did not mention the scripture he is referring to here, but later John must have known of a scripture that says Jesus would rise from the dead. Peter on the day of Pentecost quoted a prophecy of Jesus' resurrection in Psalm 16 verses 8 to 11. Peter pointed to this passage and quoted it in Acts chapter 2 verses 25 to 28. Psalm 16 8 to 11 says, quote, I have set Yahweh always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body shall also dwell in safety, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol. Neither will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. End quote. Sheol is the, the word for grave or for the abode of the dead. The uh, Greek equivalent to that is Hades. So when we read um, Acts chapter 2 verses 25 to 28, we'll see a mention of Hades rather than Sheol. Acts chapter 2 verses 25 to 28 says, Quote, for David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before my face. He is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh also will dwell in hope, because you will not leave my soul in Hades, neither will you allow your Holy One to see decay. You have made known to me the ways of life, you will make me full of gladness with your presence, end quote. Sheol, or Hades, refers to the abode of the dead, which includes the grave or a place of burial. So God is saying that his Holy One's body will not decay in the grave. After quoting this scripture, Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verses 29 to 32, quote, Brothers, I may tell you freely of the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul wasn't left in Hades, and his flesh didn't see decay. This Jesus God raised up, to which we are all witnesses, end quote. In John chapter 20, verses 11 to 17, Jesus appeared and revealed himself to Mary Magdalene. While John and Peter went back home, Mary Magdalene was standing outside the tomb, weeping. Mary stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white. One was sitting at the head and the other at the feet where Jesus' body had been laid. The angels asked Mary why she was weeping. It is not clear at this point that she knew that these were angels. Mary then explains why she was weeping. She was weeping because Jesus' body was missing. She referred to Jesus as her Lord. Then Mary 
Magdalene turns around and she sees Jesus, but doesn't know that it is Jesus. She thought he might be the gardener and he might know where they took the body of Jesus. Mary said she would take custody of the body. Uh, Jesus then calls Mary by her name, Mary. She then turned and called him Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus then gave two instructions to Mary Magdalene. First, Jesus told Mary not to hold him because he has not ascended yet to his father. Secondly, Jesus told Mary to bring this message to his brothers. By brothers, Jesus was likely referring to his disciples rather than to his stepbrothers because Mary went and told the disciples rather than Jesus' half-brothers. This is the message Jesus gave to Mary to give to the disciples. Jesus was going to ascend to his father and to the father of Jesus' disciples and to Jesus God and to the God of Jesus' disciples. We know that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus is also God. Jesus is equally God as God the Father is God. However, Jesus emphasizes that the Father is greater than Jesus. See John chapter 14, verse 28. Even with that, it is surprising that Jesus would call God his God. Maybe Jesus viewed God as his God in terms of Jesus' human nature. Later, we see that Thomas will call Jesus his Lord and his God, and Jesus does not rebuke Thomas for that, so Jesus clearly saw himself as being God. Yet it is clear that Jesus, even as to his divinity, viewed God greater than he was. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus says, The Father is greater than I. Jesus came not to do his own will, but the will of God the Father. At this point it is being revealed that Jesus is alive and is going to ascend to the Father. At this point, there's no promise of Jesus ever appearing to the disciples, although we know that he did later on. And Mary did not know there would be a further resurrection appearances, but there would be. In John chapter 20, verse 18, Mary Magdalene gave witness of Jesus' resurrection. Mary went and told the disciples of what Jesus said to her. Jesus had left the message of his ascension to God. There was no promise at this point that the disciples would see the resurrected Jesus. The foundation, however, was being laid so that when they did see Jesus, it would prepare, they would be prepared for it. In John chapter 20, verses 19 to 24, Jesus appeared to the disciples and commissioned them. Now the whole day has passed. At this point, we, the only persons that we know, that, according to John, that Jesus appeared to was Mary Magdalene. It's evening. We are not told whether it was dark or not. If it was dark, then it was already uh, Monday, uh, already uh, the next day. So Mary uh, told them that Jesus was alive and that Jesus had talked to her and the disciples were still in the house with the doors locked and his disciples went out of uh, out of fear of the Jews, were assembled in the house. Jesus' eleven apostles were there except for Thomas. Jesus then came and stood in the middle of the room and said to them, quote, Peace be to you, end quote. John chapter 20, verse 19. Jesus, in his final address to his disciples before his death by crucifixion, 
talk to them about the peace he gives in John chapter 14, verse 27, uh, John 16, verse 33. And now he talks about peace in John chapter 20, verses 19, verse 21, and verse 26. The peace that Jesus gives in John chapter 14, verse 27, was the cure to fear. Jesus had told his disciples in John 14, verse 27, quote, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be fearful, End quote. Jesus had told his disciples before his death in John chapter 16, verse 33, quote, I have told you these things that you may have peace. In the world you have trouble, but cheer up, I have overcome the world. End quote. Now, three times in John chapter 20, we are told of the peace Jesus gives to us in times of fear. This is found in verses 19, uh, verse 20, and verse 26. During Jesus' first appearance to his disciples, while his disciples were living in fear of the Jews, Jesus appeared to them and said to them, quote, Peace be to you, end quote. John chapter 20, verse 19. Jesus then said it again before he left them, and then he appeared to them eight days later and said it again. During this first appearance, when he told his disciples, quote, Peace be to you, end quote. John chapter 20, verse 19. Jesus showed his disciples his hands and his side to show the wounds he got on the cross. Jesus then repeats to them, quote, Peace be to you, end quote. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus then said, Even as the Father sent me, even so I send you. Jesus then breathed on them, and Jesus said to them, quote, Receive the Holy Spirit, end quote. John chapter 20, verse 22. Remember, John was a theologian and a spiritual leader. He was likely writing this in his old age. Possibly, uh, he was writing at a time the church was undergoing persecution. There may have been fear in the church. The church needed to, to be reminded of the resurrection presence of Jesus Christ and the peace he would give them in times of persecution. They needed to be reminded of their calling to do the work Jesus sent them to do, and they needed to know uh, that they needed the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives that God gives to believers at conversion. John, in selecting these aspects of Jesus' resurrection, emphasizes those aspects that spoke to the churches he was ministering to. Throughout John, Jesus has emphasized he came not to do his own will, but the will of God the Father who sent him. Jesus came to speak God the Father's words and to do the works of God the Father. Jesus was able to say in John chapter 17, verse 4, quote, I have glorified you on the earth. I have accomplished the work which you have given me to do. End quote. Of course, he was praying to God the Father. Our task is to glorify God the Father and to glorify Jesus and tell the world that God the Father sent Jesus and that Jesus has sent us. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14, verses 11 to 13, quote, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Most certainly I tell you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, 
and he will do greater works than these, because I am going to my Father. Whatever you will ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. End quote. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 36, quote, The works which the Father gave me to accomplish, the very works that I do, testify about me that the Father has sent me. End quote. As God sent Jesus to accomplish God's work and declare God's words, even so Jesus sends his disciples to do Christ's works and declare Christ's words, and to bring glory to God the Father and glory to God the Son, and we are to bear witness that God the Father sent Jesus. See John chapter 17, uh, verses 17 to 21. Jesus prays to God the Father for his disciples in John 17, verses 17 to 21, which says, quote, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Not for these only do I pray, but for those also who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. End quote. Jesus then breathed on them and told them to receive the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to do the ministry God wants us to do. We see that the baptism with the Holy Spirit was later poured out on the day of Pentecost. This was the first time in history that people received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And today, each born-again Christian at conversion receives the baptism with the Holy Spirit. See Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Jesus then told his disciples, if they forgive anyone their sins, they have been forgiven them. If they retain any, uh, anyone's sins, they have been retained. What does this mean? Of whoever sins you might forgive, it has been forgiven them. And, and whoever you might retain, that is, who you don't forgive, it has been retained. That is, they haven't been forgiven. I'm not sure what this means, but I don't think it means that humans, even apostles, can decide who uh, to forgive sins and who not to forgive sins. I think only God does that, and only Jesus does that, who is also God. The best I can think of is that Jesus is saying that the disciples will be able to discern who is truly sorry for their sins and have a really, truly uh, believed and asked Jesus to forgive them of their sin, whether that is at the moment of conversion or whether later on after they become believers, they fall into some sin and whether they really have genuinely repented from those sins. For example, the apostles were able to tell Paul's conversion was genuine. Uh, Peter was able to know that Cornelius and his household's conversion was genuine. Uh, Peter administered water baptism to the uh, Cornelius and to his household because he saw that God had already forgiven their sins. See Acts chapters uh, 10, uh, 11, and 15. On the other hand, Peter caught Ananias and Sapphira's lie to God about their gifts to the church in Acts chapter 5. 
Peter was able to see that Simon's heart was not right with God when he offered to pay money uh, to have the ability to lay hands on people so that they could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 8, verse 16. The apostles were to accept into God's fellowship and forgive them if they had genuinely had already received God's forgiveness and to reject those who have retained sin in their lives. Jesus' apostle Thomas was not there at the first time that Jesus appeared to the disciples. When the disciples uh, saw Thomas, they told him the good news. They said, we saw the Lord. They have me have also told him that they saw Jesus' wounded side and wounded hands. Thomas then said, I will not believe in Jesus' resurrection until I see it for myself, and I touch what you believe you saw. In John chapter 20, verses 25 to 29, Jesus appeared to Thomas. So eight days later, Jesus appears to the disciples again, and Thomas was there. Again, Jesus said, quote, Peace be to you, end quote. John chapter 20, verse 26. Jesus told Thomas to reach his finger and uh, out his finger and see Jesus' hands and to reach his hand and put it into Jesus' side. Jesus told Thomas not to be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered by calling Jesus his Lord and his God, John chapter 20, verse 28. Jesus affirmed Thomas's statement about Jesus' deity by saying that Thomas has believed, but only after seeing Jesus. Jesus then said, quote, Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. End quote. John chapter 20, verse 29. John was likely old when he wrote this. Most, if not all, of those to whom John ministered had not personally experienced or witnessed the visible, tangible appearance of the resurrected Christ. John is sharing these words of Jesus, perhaps, to encourage his readers to believe what he has written underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The final sign that John gives for Jesus being the Messiah was the resurrection. John makes clear the purpose for writing this gospel in John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31. He, he indicated that Jesus did uh, many signs showing that uh, he was indeed the Christ, the Son of God. Uh, there were many of these miracles that signified something about Jesus being the Christ, the Son of God. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John chose those few signs recorded in the Gospel of John to inspire faith that Jesus was the Son of God and the Messiah so that those believing might have life in Jesus' name. So even though there were many signs, John picked these underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining with me and listening to this podcast. Be sure to search the Bible to evaluate all teachers, including me. Always remember to keep God first in your life. Bye for now.